Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Isabel Smith. Isabel is a nationally recognized integrative registered dietitian, health and lifestyle expert, certified level two Reiki practitioner, and the founder of Isabel Smith Nutrition. At Isabel Smith Nutrition, Isabel and her team of dietitians work with clients of all ages and in most areas of wellness, though Isabel Nutrition specializes heavily in gut, thyroid, hormone, autoimmune, and allergies. Isabel and her team help guide their clients towards true health and healing through helping clients identify and treat the root cause of their disease. Isabel's expert opinion is often featured in print and online and can be found in Elle, Mind Body Green, Reader's Digest, Women's Health and Men's Health magazines, and others. Isabel is also an advisor, consultant, and brand ambassador for various companies she loves, as well as an angel investor in the CPG space. In her spare time, Isabel can be found hiking in the mountains of the Adirondacks where she splits her time or creating new recipes, painting, and or hanging with her two Yorkshire Terriers, Sasha and Henry. In this episode, Isabel teaches us why supporting our gut health supports the rest of our body with a strong connection to our mood, simple habits we can do each day to support our gut health that make a large impact what can help and hurt consistent bloating, and what an example day would look like best supporting your gut health. She also shares her top supplement recommendations for gut health and when she would recommend each depending on the client's symptoms. So if you're sitting here listening and you've either been dealing with unwanted stomach issues, have reoccurrent mood disturbances, or just want to improve your health, turn the volume up and get ready to take some notes. All right, Isabel, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. We were just chatting probably way too much. I'm like, all right, we should probably start recording because we're going to get into stuff. Um, But I'm so happy to have you here and I can't wait to dive in. Thanks for having me. This is such a fun way to spend a Friday afternoon. (laughs) I know. Thank God it's Friday afternoon. Um, I'd love for you to just start off with telling everyone a little bit about your journey and how you grew so passionate about nutrition and health and the areas you focus in. So um, I'm an integrative registered dietitian, which means I like to look at the whole person, right? It's really important to me to get to know whomever we're working with myself or my dietitians, what's happening in somebody's life and, you know, and looking at the big picture, because I think sometimes we're a little too nano focused. So that's sort of like my shtick, but how I got here was actually, I've wanted to do what I'm doing since I was 11. So somebody came and spoke in my class and I was a dietitian and I was like, got to do that. So through my journey to get where I am, you know, I was in oncology for years and couldn't, um, treat people the way I wanted to in a hospital setting. So I jumped and Isabel Smith nutrition was born eight years ago. We work with clients of all different age groups from age five to 95 with actually a variety of stuff going on. But if you look us up online, you'll see that we really focus in on gut thyroid, histamine and allergies, um, hormones, autoimmune, but really behind the scenes, we kind of love to dabble in all different areas, looking at somebody's big picture and really working on connecting the dots and then also working with other fantastic practitioners to get our patients well. Yeah, that's, I I mean, you need the team approach, especially in integrative too. It's like nutrition is definitely a great start. Yeah. But then you always need the other team too. Mm. Um, So today we're going to really focus on gut health. We're going to talk a little bit about hormone, but there's just so much to get into Mm -hmm. with gut health. And even though 
It is definitely more talked about now and more prevalent and at the forefront of mm-hmm. people's health discussions. Mm-hmm. But I still find so many people are not paying attention <laughs> to yeah. how they're supporting their gut or don't know how to and aren't maybe doing it consistently. So let's first start off with just to give people like the big picture of how important our gut is. Let's talk about all the ways our gut supports the rest of our body and other parts of our body. So what are some of your favorite ways the gut supports other parts of our body? So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm just going to touch on one of the reasons I think people don't support their gut is because a lot of people, and I was in this place myself at some point, will say, but my, but my stomach feels okay. I don't have any symptoms. I digest well. There's nothing going on in my gut and that's fine. Right. And that's the case. In a lot of cases, I'm raising my hand, which you guys can't see listening to this. I was in that space as well. Um, but truly your gut is behind everything. So we are made up what 10 trillion cells. A lot of those cells are, are actually bacteria, gut bacteria was where most of the bacteria lives. Although there's bacteria on, on our skin, you know, in all of our holes and all these places throughout our body. And they all work as a network to communicate with each other. And the communication is for sure around things like digestion, but also hormone control, cholesterol production, brain health, mood, neurochemicals, and the list goes on. So really they act as sort of like a central hub of control for so many things all throughout the body and the way that they communicate with each other. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think people understand, like, especially the the relationship, I think there's two things I want us to dive a little bit deeper on one, the relationship between, you know, we say the gut mind connection, but really our gut and then mood and stress, which I think we can all, I mean, we can all say we probably are a little bit more stressed than we need to be, or we may be having some mood issues. I mean, I don't know who isn't, if you aren't like kudos to you. Um, but how powerful that relationship is. Oh, it's entirely powerful. You know, a lot of the signaling that goes on, the communication between the gut bacteria ends up relating to how mood chemicals are created. So there is more receptor for brain mood chemicals in the gut than anywhere else in the body, right? 75 to 90% of, depending on which study you look at, of the serotonin, which is that feel-good hormone, as well as some of the others are made in the gut, right? So a healthy microbiome will will properly produce that or more or less somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 to 90% of the serotonin that's made in your entire body. Some people make more than others, right? And that's sometimes can be genetic, but also can have a lot to do with the gut bacteria, right? So the interesting part about the gut bacteria relationship to brain chemicals and mood chemicals is that actually stress can unfortunately be detrimental to the health of the gut bacteria. And I think I saw this study years ago now, but it was like, you know, one four hour episode of, you know, stress can decrease X amount of gut bacteria. The bottom line is that most of us are living in a state of some kind of fight or flight, especially given what's going on in the world at the moment. And so the the day-to-day in and out sort of reality for the gut bacteria is that they're always kind of fighting for their lives, right? And then we've got chemicals from our food and chemicals from the you know, plastics in our lives and whatever. And it's, they're always kind of looking for more help and support. So, you know, I think that creates, we're in a situation in which we constantly need to be focusing on how can we help these guys be healthier, even if we don't have overt gut symptoms, sort of how I look at it. 
Yeah, no. And it's, it's true too. It's like, there's so many factors to whether it's antibiotic use and it could also be antibiotic use from when you were a child. Like maybe yeah. now you don't take antibiotics, but it could have wreaked havoc on your gut then, or maybe now you're eating a better diet, right? But sugar is a big one that can, re- so there's so many factors yeah. that unfortunately are against us when it comes to our gut bacteria. Yeah. But something you said as well, that I like to think about is something I'll use with clients is when you're going to eat something, ask yourself, is this going to make me feel good in the moment? And mm-hmm. after I mm-hmm. eat it, mm-hmm rather than just feeling good in the moment, which we still do sometimes. Right. But if you actually want to think about it a little bit further, you can think, is this also going to be good for my gut bacteria long-term? Right. So even that, am I going to feel good after while also having a healthier gut is going to help your mood. So it's all of these things are so supportive together, but really taking that extra step to think a little bit further when we're making certain food choices, which again, right. May not happen all the time. I mean, if it does happen all the time for you again, kudos to you, but it's finding that balance. Um, I do want to dive into, so we're talking about, I think you're right with a lot of people saying like, well, I don't have any gut issues or I don't feel bad. Some people even realize once you start working on your gut, they feel better in their gut and they didn't even know that they weren't feeling good, but what are some other warning signs that people may be experiencing that it's kind of like the little doorbell to say, Hey, you should probably start paying attention to your gut health and trying to support it. So I think one of the major things that, that is encapsulated in this whole, like, like kind of warning sign warning symbol is your hormones. So like hormone balance can be, or imbalance rather, can be something that you might be sort of experiencing, but not thinking that it relates to the gut. When in reality, the gut bacteria does in fact control a lot of the hormones and the hormone production and the signaling to produce the hormones that involves our everyday from, you know, a woman getting her period or going through menopause to a man and his testosterone Hormones control our entire beings from sleep to wake to all the in-between. And so hormonal balance is one of them. Um, Of course, another one is mood, as we just discussed. Sleep is another big one, too. So when people say to me, like, I really don't sleep, right? I'm thinking about, of course, their hormonal control, but also you know, thereby their bacteria, allergies and sensitivities. Somebody who comes to me and is like, I have tons of allergies, or I just came up with like a bunch of new allergies or new. I never had these allergies before. Bingo. I think I've got bacteria, you know, I'd say probably 50% of the time people are like, I'm bloated or I'm whatever, but the other 50% of the time, you know, we might end up backing into the fact, or I might, you know, in the immediately be like, uh Oh, bacteria needs work. But it may not be so obvious. And so for someone who, let's say they're having hormone issues, would you then tackle the gut first before? I I would certainly take a look, see what's happening in there because, um, you know, we try not to do everything at once. Doing everything at once is both overwhelming and can also kind of derail somebody's overall kind of like journey because it's a lot to do all of this. And people can feel kind of crummy if you're doing everything at once and it's just overwhelming. So if somebody is really having pretty severe hormone stuff, I might start in the hormone department, but oftentimes I'll go right for the gut. 
And what is your typical, I know it's different for everyone as well, but what is your, like your typical protocol or where do you look first to see how healthy someone's gut is? So I usually like to run something like a GI map, uh, gives me an overall look at what's happening. Um, you know, I was saying this to somebody recently, it's not necessarily about what you do get obviously on the GI map, but sort of the, both the full picture of the clinical presentation, and then also being able to read between the lines of what comes up on the test, because there's a lot of things that don't come up on the test, obviously, but that if you know what you're looking for, you might in, be able to infer that there might be a parasitic problem because parasites don't come up on stool tests almost ever. But somebody who knows what they're looking at will be actually able to discern that there may actually need to be some parasitic treatment, even if it doesn't show up. So I usually will start with a GI map. It's typically my favorite to use, but there's others that are great to use as well, um, which will give me a sense sometimes, but rarely, but sometimes I do get a test back and I'm like, this doesn't look the way I expect it to look. So I end up using clinical judgment in terms of how I, and how, how I go forward. Um, we always treat top down. We always try and support the gut bacteria and help, you know, produce more, you know, prebiotics, probiotics, like provide, and, and then obviously help with the natural production of, you know, postbiotics and all of that um, during treatment, but depending on what's going on, we definitely try not to overwhelm. In fact, often we underwhelm the system so that somebody can really manage getting through. Yeah. And it's not it's like you said, just everything at once. It's so hard. And then, it, and then if you're not consistent yeah. with it, it's almost like you kind of have to start over sometimes with the gut. Um, so I'm curious, what are your top tips for supporting gut health? Stress management. Yeah. Mm, working on your sleep. Do not forget the diet or what you're feeding yourself, right? There's no amount of supplements I can give you that will, and I use supplements heavily. I do very heavily targeted ones, but there's no amount of supplements I can give you that will outrun uh, a diet that is really set setting us back in terms of our forward motion. Um, healthy fats are everything to gut health, everything really good. Of course, a really solid source of omega-3 is super key for the microbiome. Um, you know, I often find that people's bodies are exhausted, those with chronic gut stuff exhausted. So I might even combine, you know, an omega-3 with a CoQ10 for somebody who I think has like severe, like cellular exhaustion or is just exhausted because, you know, just thinking about the functionality of the gut, you know, um, a tired body is not going to move very well. Right which leads me to my last point, which is that you got to poop on an almost everyday basis. So, and it's got to look you know. good, right? Well, you at least need to be going. All right. So yeah. like, yes, it should be go like, like, yes, like a wish list. Isabel's wish list is that you're going every day. Next on the wish list is that it looks halfway decent, you know? Um, yeah. I'm like, honestly, less concerned with how it looks than the fact that people are going, but of course, do I want it to be more, do I want more volume? 100%. Do I want it floating? No. Do I want it greasy? No. Sorry, we're getting right into it. You know. Oh, that's I mean, everyone knows on this podcast like, you know, we talk <laughs> about poop. I mean, it it's one of the best indicators of what's going on in your yeah. gut. So we talk about it. It is. And I think if I could give somebody one piece of advice and just in general, it's like try and slow down. We're all moving at a thousand miles an hour and there's a lot of things that will really receive support if you can just slow down. That's from, from eating to everything, everything we're doing, we're going at warp speed. Just slow down for a minute. Let your body catch up. 
students need more than the usual school supplies to make the most of school. To help your child really thrive in the classroom, one of the best things to do is to prioritize their nutrition. One key nutrient to add to your child's back-to-school routine is the omega-3 DHA. DHA supports a child's brain development, cognition, learning, and social development. And to appeal to all of our children's preferences, which we know can be a little picky at times, Nordic Natural sells children's DHA in gummy, soft gel, and liquid form in a variety of flavors. Head to Nordic.com and use the code NaturallyWell15 for 15% off all Nordic Naturals children's products for a healthy start to the school year. I'm curious, other are there specific foods? I mean, we talked about healthy fats, mm-hmm. omega-3s, maybe adding CoQ10, but are there other foods that you're specifically adding? Like are you adding in more vegetables to people's sure. diet if they're supporting 100%. or like, yeah, what would be, let's say if we had your <laughs> your your average person that's maybe, maybe eating one serving of vegetables a day, mm-hmm. maybe getting in one serving of fruit a day. Mm. How would you in like an example day, try to best piecemeal a a gut supportive diet for them? So back to fats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I am, I'll I'll tell you why I'm hung up on fats. I find people avoid them still. And um, fat is so important for lubricating movement through the gut. Right. And also people go pretty crazy with fiber and we need to be cautious and thoughtful about how much fiber we're consuming. We all could use more. Um, so if I were start, if I were, let me give you like an example day. Um, I like a good amount of fiber in the morning with either some fat or protein. So if you follow me on social media, you'll see that most of the time I'm eating like an, a buckwheat or an oatmeal with collagen and like a ton of flaxseed and chia seeds in it you know, some kind of nut butter, coconut butter, and like some high antioxidant, you know, berry. Um, if I have time and I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm happy with my timing, I will definitely do something like something green, green juice, eggs and veggies are great. Um, avocado toast, add some, you know, local chopped onion greens, love some micro greens in there too. Um, you know, lunches, I just, it's like, whatever's easy. If somebody's like, I ate some frozen cauliflower rice today with some roasted chicken and a half an avocado. I'm like, boom, that's awesome. Um, I want it to be easy, you know? And I think there's a, people are hung up on that. It needs to be perfect. And it doesn't. Um, if you're somebody who eats no vegetables at lunch and you go to grabbing two handfuls of some easy butter lettuce, awesome. Well done. Um, I think, you know, starting with where you are and trying to add wherever you can, that could be canned chickpeas in your, you know, salad or with alongside your whatever hummus or something like that. If that's easy for you, you know, um, get a guacamole from the store and throw some baby carrots and make a little side to your regular, you know, um, salad or sandwich. Obviously more seedy bread would be better snacks. I definitely want something produce, you know, we're in the middle of summer. So peaches, you know, plums, apples, as they're coming into season, like grab a piece of fruit. If you need something to help you get, take that snack further, grab some nut butter or some handful of seeds, or, you know, I love to spoon a tablespoon of coconut, um, butter. Cause that stuff is delicious. Um, so delicious. So delicious. And then for dinner, like if you're eating frozen veggies with your, you know, with your meal, that's great. Like do what you can, but 
try and reduce the amount of processed white refined carbohydrates you're eating and make space for root vegetables. Potatoes are great. Sweet potatoes are awesome. If if quinoa and brown rice are your jam, add some of that. Do what you can to reduce the amount of process. Please eat more healthy fat because it's really going to benefit you. And don't go crazy with the animal protein. I am like across the board these days seeing people with crazy protein portions on their plates. And we're often trading for any of these things I just mentioned. Um, I'm not a perfectionist. Um, there's a lot, but, but messy action as you and I were discussing before is perfect. Um, we have lots of examples of, of day, you know, eatings on our, on my Instagram, which is Isabel Smith nutrition. We do it every Friday. We do like a, you know, for various different things, um, grab what, what works for you and what doesn't like, don't sweat it. This doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's the memo that I want most people to understand. Just do what you can to make choices that are a little bit cleaner, a little bit fresher, you know, that are a little less processed and that will go a long way. Love that. And it's so interesting. I'm with you on it. So frustrating that people are still shying away from fats and even Mm -hmm. like a younger generation too, Mm -hmm. that wasn't in that, you know, wasn't fully there in the eighties and living through. So, which sometimes still confuses me, but I find people are still concerned about calories, but what message, if you haven't heard it yet through this podcast, we're talking about how healthy fats can be supportive of your gut. Well, a healthy gut also supports weight management. It can support weight loss. It can, there's so many pieces to it. So please stop thinking that eating more healthy fats is going to hinder your, whether you're trying to maintain your weight or maybe lose some weight or whatever it is, because it's not going to happen. It's only going to support you. And yes, healthy fats are filling. So you're also not going to overeat them because (laughs) they're going to fill you up. Trust me, try to have three avocado toasts. You're not going to, by the time you get to the second one, you're going to be pretty full. So really try to listen to your body in that sense and know that those healthy fats are not going to move that needle up that you're trying to avoid. Yeah, totally agree. And I think, um, I, I have get a lot of like skeptical clients who are like, I don't know, Isabel, I'm going to try it. But like, and then like, you know, like next week or two, they're like, oh my God. I didn't like, I wasn't munching all afternoon because I was, I was satiated and I was like, boom, you know, it's like one of the things I've been discussing a lot lately is like actually eating enough at meals so that you're not grazing all afternoon. I feel like I've been a broken record this week with my clients. I'm like, you realize if you just eat enough at lunch that like you won't be munching, munching all afternoon, which by the way, is one of the other pillars to a healthy gut is not eating all the time right? We need like to eat and then have space and then eat and then have space, not too much space, but, but space so that our gut bacteria can be cleansed through the process we don't need to go into, but your body needs space. When we're digesting constantly, the body doesn't have bandwidth to do other things, like take care of your immune system, your hormones, et cetera, et cetera. So actually creating space where you're not digesting is a beautiful thing for the whole body. Yeah, no. And I feel like people don't even realize sometimes that they are munching throughout the day Mm -hmm. and then they start to add those healthy fats and they have enough protein at their meal. They have enough fiber at their meal. And they're like, whoa, 
This is what it feels like to not only feel full, but then the best thing with healthy fats, you're satiated in terms of fullness, but you also have the feeling of satiation. Like healthy fat foods give you that feeling of being satisfied and adding in the fiber in there too. Um, I'm curious because I saw as well, you had a good post on it, but can you share with everyone? Cause we get so many questions about bloating. Mm, what are mm. some of those sneaky foods that can cause bloating that if, I mean, I find most people just aren't aware at all what could be causing their bloating and it can be an array of things. And that's where you usually do want to do some testing. Um, but what are some of your top sneaky foods that can cause bloating? So, so funny. I was talking, I feel like I talk about bloating constantly. Um, it's first of all, I find the habits are maybe more problematic than the individual foods, right? This like munch, munch, munch that we were just talking about, terrible for bloating, eating quickly, not chewing enough, drinking out of straws, drinking carbonated beverages, drinking out of cans, cans, aluminum and other, and other garbage that shows up. Hello, canned seltzer. The amount of times that's all I take out and people's bloat goes away. Hello. It's like, it's just exactly like, it's not even, it's not, it's not rocket science. Right. But it's, it's all these things that, that, that line up. And for many people I find who are chronically bloated, there's also like a toxicity element, right? Like they may have an environmental toxin or they may be like really sensitive. So cutting out the aluminum can not only helps with the carbonation, but also with what else that's leached into your drink besides just the fact that it's carbonated metals and other things. Those are like that plus eating regularly, right? Pooping regularly, like that alone can create like so much, you know, gain for people. Um, some people are more sensitive to fiber, especially if they're not pooping well. So adding more fiber is not going to help your bloat. Um, you want to stick with things like soluble fiber. Soluble fiber is much more easily digested and much more helpful when going to the bathroom for somebody who's more sensitive in this department. Oats, back to our healthy fats, chia flax, Vegetable juices are a great source of um, soluble fiber. People think that there's no sol- no fiber in juicing and that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Soluble fiber remains. That is the water soluble, the one that dissolves in water. That is the one that's on the Cheerio box. Yay for your heart. That is what we're talking about. That fiber is brilliant for your gut. Um, if you're already bloated, I wouldn't add a ton more raw vegetables in efforts to make things better. I would juice, smoothie, make soups, have cooked vegetables, eat more slowly, divide up your meals, watch your portion sizes. Maybe you're eating more than you think you are, um, or less than you think you are. And drink water too, right? I mean, half the time I find people are actually eating, some people are eating a good amount of fiber or they've all of a sudden, like they want to be healthy. So they've started smoothing or juicing Mm -hmm. and they're taking in, they basically went from like not a lot of fiber to a ton so of fiber much. a day Too much. and they're not drinking enough water, you yeah. need the water to actually let that fiber pass through you. Yeah. And then they're getting so bloated and they're confused because they're like, wait, I just started adding vegetables and fruits to my diet. So you have to take it slowly Slow. bit by Slow. bit. And like, look, if you've been dealing with it for a really long time, like work with somebody, get a stool test, take a look, Make sure that you don't have something else going on in the background in there. But like a lot of the things I just mentioned are things that most people who are chronically bloated do not follow. By the time they call us up and they're looking for help and we get started with them, most of them are not doing like the habitual stuff. And honestly, I can't say enough 
how much this stuff makes a difference. You know, yeah. yes, we could get into things like prebiotics and supplements and stuff, but like the the head baseline habits are where it's at to begin. That's the only way we can progress. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, because I think this is something we, or isn't talked about enough, but can have a really big impact on your digestion and gut is your stomach acid. Mm. And knowing, I feel like most of us think we have too much, even though a lot of the times the issue is actually we have too little. So can we talk a little bit about that and what you find with clients a lot of the time and why stomach acid is so important for digestion? Stomach acid is literally like the be all end all. It is our like most prized possession yet. It gets such a bad rap. And most people are like, oh my God, I have too much acid. And I'm like, you probably, as you just said, don't have enough. But I think people have a totally tainted view of stomach acid and like its role. It literally cleanses, sanitizes, and cleans your food, by the way, on the way in, if you have enough of it, right? Our food is loaded with bacteria and just like loaded with garbage that frankly, you don't even know about and you don't really want in your system. So A, that's why it's important. But B, it acts as the chemical that kind of kicks off the rest of the digestive cascade, right? In in telling the rest of our body, like digestion in particular, to like release more of the chemicals. So the stomach acid is released. I'm going to sit very oversimplify this. And then your body hears the memo that, okay, pancreas, release digestive enzymes, right? So when people have chronically low stomach acid, they're often also not releasing enough digestive enzymes. And people think that they have like digestive enzyme insufficiency, but really it comes back to stomach acid. If we had enough stomach acid, we'd get enough, um, you know, of the rest of it. Now people will, I mean, you you hear this all the time, right? Oh my God, I've heartburn. My stomach acid so high. The doctor gave me Nexium and I'm like, no, or whatever it is, Right. Um, when people have low stomach acid, food doesn't digest adequately, properly enough. And then, you know, everything kind of hangs out for longer and, you know, it creeps up or like we start to feel it. It's when things don't move fast enough that we really feel the kickback. So, um, there are some reasons for this. As people get older, we have less stomach acid, uh, stress can create low stomach acid, drinking and smoking can create lower stomach acid, uh, infections like H. pylori can, you know, create scenarios in which we have less stomach acid. Um, people who are munching all day long cannot produce enough of anything to actually properly digest because our bodies are not set up to be digesting all day long. So we're eating and not, you know, that's not like a clinically low stomach acid, but you're going to end up with a low stomach acid scenario if you're eating all day long, cause your body just can't support it. Um, there are some at-home tests that some people could do, but I don't actually recommend them because I don't find that people know what to do with it when they come up with maybe a burp test, which is like, if you Googled it, you find it online. I'm not going to give instructions here because I don't recommend people doing it at home because I don't actually think it leads anybody to anything that's super positive. There can be reasons why somebody would have high stomach acid, but it's really uncommon. A long-term H. pylori infection might create a high stomach acid situation or some other, you know, cases that aren't normal. Um, so we focus on low stomach acid, really. Um, I wouldn't recommend just starting to take these supplements without working with somebody because they're strong, they're powerful. Finding mm -hmm. the right dose can be hard. And, and having been there myself, if you have an H. pylori infection that you don't know about and you take betaine, it literally feels like somebody stabbed you in the stomach. So that's enough of an impetus not to run out and buy betaine HCL right now. I don't know what else, but work with somebody because you really want the right 
mixture and concoction, but stomach acid is everything. How do you feel about as well if someone has low stomach acid and that's mm-hmm. actually what's causing, let's say, their heartburn mm-hmm. or some of their symptoms? How do you feel about doing apple cider vinegar diluted with water before mm-hmm. a meal to just give yourself yeah. that little acid boost? That's much safer than you going out yeah. and trying the batain thing. That's or, a, that's like my go-to if they have low. Mm-hmm. Just or because bitters. it's something that you can easily do. It's yeah. not expensive. And it's, it's not, not going to be harmful in your gut unless you, maybe if you have high stomach acid, which most people don't. If you have active <laughs> Usually ulcers, the lower end. Yeah. yeah if you have if you ulcers, have active, you don't want to be putting anything acidic. Don't in. drink Don't drink vinegar if you've got ulcers. Yeah. But, um, but otherwise, no, it's great. And I find it's really helpful. And that or bitters, I'm like, yeah, you can knock your socks off. Try that out. You know, the bitter thing, um, you know, we've got receptors for bitter tastes all through the digestive tract. It helps to stimulate digestion digestion as a whole, that's a great option as, as, as the ACB. So I saw on your Instagram and I loved this fun tip, but can we talk about how, well, what it is and how to do it, but stimulating your, um, vagus nerve for digestion. Yes. So the vagus nerve is a ver, ver, is a nerve rather that doesn't get enough attention. It's so important and also very interesting. It runs down the left side of your neck and all through innervates all through the digestive tract. And it really helps to stimulate like the rest and digest mode, which is the opposite to this fight or flight that most of us live in. So when the parasympathetic nervous system and AKA for us right now, vagus nerve is stimulated, your body is like ready to, you know, take in food. We're ready to digest. We are ready to like receive and we're in a place where we can. It is one of the more important things to stimulate and also one of the easier ones to stimulate. And the way to do this is literally some belly breaths. So what that is, is literally breathing and expanding into your belly instead of your chest. So chest breathing, think about when you breathe, Breathing very shallow is just when your chest like kind of moves up and down, but we're looking for belly breath. So your belly expands, which can be uncomfortable for people who are bloated. We recognize that, but, um, this doing this slowly. So like imagine breathing in for three counts, I would hold it for three counts and then exhale for three counts and then hold it like a box, breathe in, hold it, breathe out, hold it, do that a couple of times, two to three times even before a meal. And that can literally help to turn on the vagus nerve to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and to signal to your body that you are in the rest and digest mode. That is free. You can do it anytime. For those of you guys who are skeptical of meditating, this is a great alternative that will literally help to trip the, the parasympathetic nervous system into a much happier place. I also love box breathing for falling asleep or if you wake up in the middle of the night, it's so helpful. But this is, I'm so glad we're talking about this because most people I find, right? You're eating at your desk. Mm -hmm. You're eating while you work. You're not paying attention at all, which again, right? These things can happen. It may not be perfect every single day, but if you find like, oh, I actually am not on a meeting during lunch or I have some time to carve out or what I love to do and make clients do is put it into their calendar so nobody can schedule a meeting and actually give yourself 30 minutes to eat, right? Or if you could only give yourself 20, but give yourself some time. And just like Isabel said, stimulate that vagus nerve. It doesn't take long and you'll just feel so much more at peace with your food too. And it adds to that satisfaction 
which then again, you're not going to be munching after, or you're not going to want to like reach for that dessert after lunch. Um, some of the time too, but it's going to say maybe, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, but you know, it, it can help. Um, yeah. you could do it in the car. You could do it during yeah. a meeting. You could do it like anywhere. You're not going to look weird doing it. Cause like I just did it sitting here while Kate was talking and like you, you know, it's easy and it's free, which I love. Cause you know, there are very few things in life that are free. <laughs> yeah. And it's helping with your stress management, which was the yeah. first thing Isabel said to a healthy gut is try to manage some of your stress. And that will lead to so many other things, lead to better sleep, better mood. There's so many things that are tied to it. And if we can find simple ways like doing box breathing or taking time to yourself for a second and just being, I mean, why not? Um, So the last thing is what I want to touch on because this is where we get a lot of questions too of, and we've talked about some, or at least mentioned them, but there are so many different supplements for mm-hmm. gut health out there. So our biggest ones we think of are like our probiotics, prebiotics, digestive enzymes, which we mentioned. How would you know, and I know these are generalizations, but how would you know which one is most appropriate for you or which you should be taking when you have certain symptoms? I say that with also prefacing that people should be working with someone while doing this and not just going to the store and buying something, but actually working with a medical professional to decide what would be best for them. But generally for certain symptoms, what would you see and what would you recommend? I would say most people can handle a prebiotic um, in general because like our prebiotic food is, well, it's not so much. Not, it, not, it as, food, not like as many as you would think of, but yeah, I we wish it was in more. <laughs> I know. Well, they're in like weird foods, right? That most yeah. people like aren't eating like- Like so, leeks. And <laughs> yeah. And Jerusalem artichoke and whatever. But prebiotics, I find um, when it comes to the gut, like that really, like if the bacteria is not fed, it's not going to thrive. So that like, that's number one. Um, uh, another one. I mean, probiotics. So- probiotics, yes, but there's so many different strains and different mm-hmm. like, products. And so you really, we generally start out with like a spore-based probiotic these days because they're well-tolerated and, you know, it's not going to add to the laundry list of like some overgrown bacteria that somebody might have. Um, so maybe a probiotic, it's hard to, it's a hard question to answer because there's so many. I know it, that's what I'm saying. There's so many, it's such a general, Um, it's such a general question, but it's hard to make generalizations. The the things I usually recommend for most people are like a prebiotic and omega-3 because most of us need more of that, a vitamin D. Um, and you know, I've actually been recommending more often lately and I'm kind of shocked I'm doing this is a good quality multivitamin. Mm Mm-hmm. I is about uh, don't be don't be shocked. We just did a whole episode on why it's so important to have a multivitamin and a, a big reason for it. And it's even if your clients are eating a healthy diet, our food is different than what it used to be. It doesn't yeah. contain as many nutrients. Yeah. And I have yet to find anyone that gets their nutrient panel done that they don't have multiple deficiencies that no. can actually be easily corrected. Yeah. by a multivitamin. You know, I've start I've I've really found that like 
you know, okay, so I've got this patient with this thing and that patient with that thing. And like, is your body getting what it needs? And I know that maybe if it's not, you're going to end up with these weird symptoms or these issues that you've got. So let's just cover our bases with a multivitamin that's not super, super, super powerful, but that covers everything. And it's like good quality. Um, I love a good magnesium supplement. Yes. Um, good, good, a good quality sleep blend also, but that's kind of like for many people, that's kind of where I live. And then the probiotics, like, look, I take, I take multiple types of probiotics. I'll be candid about that. Um, but I'm doing it based on my needs. And I would say you Mm -hmm. really want to make sure what you're taking fits your needs. Most people could use a probiotic though. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, that's the thing with so many different strains you can get really specific to what symptoms you're having and find ones that will work best for you. Totally. So yeah, I completely agree with a probiotic. What about digestive enzymes? When would be the case that someone would need that? I know we're talking about with stomach acid that sometimes it can actually be that you have low stomach acid, but do you find you use digestive enzymes a lot in your practice? No, I actually don't. Yeah. I don't. Um, I know a lot of dietitians who do. I actually don't do probi- I'm sorry, digestive enzymes unless I have tested and I know for sure that they need them. I will use bitters. I will use bitter foods. I will use the ACV trick much more readily than I will throw people digestive enzymes. I just, I know a lot of people swear by them. I don't, unless I know for sure that there's a reason. And the other thing I was going to add to um, that just popped into my mind, which I think is important for people to know is that more is not better. More supplements is not better. And I think sometimes, and I've been there myself, we can get like supplement happy and just like, mm-hmm. you know, oh my gosh, I heard about this on a podcast. Or I heard about this and like, oh, I'm going to start taking this supplement. And you don't want more, just because you take it doesn't mean A, that it's good for your body, B, that it's right for you, C, that it's not going to create more chaos, right? Because our bodies also have this like homeostatic, you know, kind of nature and speeding up the process and throwing more in doesn't always make the system better, you know? So, um, I just feel like, yeah, savvy consumers we need to be. Yeah, no. And it, I mean, it can also get overwhelming, but mm-hmm. I also find sometimes people use it as a safety net rather yeah. than using it as like, no, this is to support your diet, right? So this is in addition, but they're like, oh, well, I'm on 10 supplements right now. Like it's okay if, you know, my diet's not fabulous right now. Like I'm on all these supplements. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. Um. But yeah, it's, it's interesting the supplement world and also how deep you can go into it. And it's like, if there's anything, and I'm so glad you were saying, but it's like, let's start off with our foundation, right? So it's omega-3, vitamin D for sure, which also can be supportive of your gut and pretty much every other part of your body. Um, And then I feel like the third that's where, whether it's a gut supportive supplement, but you find what's right for you. Or for some people it's that magnesium because their stress is really high and they're depleting their magnesium and they need that or, and it's to help them maybe sleep at night too, for a little bit of that muscle relaxation. So there's so many routes you can go, but you have to work with someone to really see what's me best for you. But the two, I will say, I never question vitamin D. I like to get your levels checked first, Totally, but like typically an omega three and vitamin D are pretty safe. Um, but with gut health, I do think it's good to look a little bit further. Um, as well, this has been so good. I have one 
final question for you. Well, before we do our rapid fire, but I'm just curious, are there any other parts of your own daily health and wellness routine that are non-negotiables for you or that you find that you do every day? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. I get outside in the morning. First thing I get up and I get my butt out of bed and you do a lot of your stories on that walk. I do. You know, (laughs) it's like, I, um, I'm super grateful and very busy in my practice. And so once my day starts, it can go late. And so I've created for myself a couple of hours in the morning where like, I'm not talking to clients and I'm not like, it's before my day starts. It's the first three hours of my day, four hours of my day. I don't start until 10. That is me. That is my time because, and that helps me start my day in a way that really works for me. And I say this to all of my clients, carve out, whether it's 20 minutes or three hours or whatever it is, carve out a section of your day that you know you can keep. Because I think in the chaos of this current world, people don't have enough time for themselves. And that is so crucial. And then the other thing that I'm completely obsessed with that is a non-negotiable for me is good sleep. I am like fully invested and I'm not a great sleeper. I'll be completely candid. I'm not a great sleeper. And so this is so important to me to really make sure that like I am on my A game and that I feel good. So my sleep is top priority. What And so what do you do to help set up good sleep for yourself? I try and go to bed at a regular hour. So like I am try I try to be asleep by 10, 10 30. I'm awake by like six, six 30. Like I'm, and when I'm not, I'm like, it's a, it's not great, but like, obviously like life is meant to be lived and to be fun. So like, I'm not going to pass up something fun that keeps me up late, but like at the same time, um, I'm really careful with that. I also have invested a lot of time and energy into finding the right, like kind of sleep formula for me. Um, you know, I do take melatonin and I also take like a, like a sleep blend and that has been a game changer for me and it's taken me a while to find the right one. And, um, but I am like really, yeah, of course, also trying not to be on electronics and trying to read at night and whatever, but I'm also zoom in. All right. And currently totally binge watching Virgin river. So that is getting in the way of my electronics, but you know, I try to turn my phone off. So if I'm on my computer or something else, my phone is off. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not answering emails. I'm not clients. I love you texting you back. Um, I'm like focused on what I'm doing. And then, you know, I go to sleep. I wear an eye mask. We have blackout shades. Um, you know, my husband is like, why do we need these blackout shades? I'm like, Oh, it's a huge difference. Everyone (laughs) needs blackout shades. And even sometimes the blackout shades don't really black everything out. So you got to have the eye mask, but no, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. We just got these sheets that are, um, that are called cozy they're by a company called cozy earth and they're like bamboo sheets and they're not they're they're really nice and cooling so like that's been helpful too oh that's good to know i feel like i'm always looking for good sheets mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to find yes yeah, oh as well this has been so good though um we do have a little rapid fire q a that we love to do with everyone so first thing that comes to mind and then i want you to share with everyone where they can follow you and learn more um, so what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Nature. Yeah. I spend your, a lot of time morning. in the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, wherever I spend a lot of time in the woods, nature. Mm-hmm. Coffee or, or tea. Good, oh. good laugh. Nature or good laugh. Yeah. Um, tea. What What kind of tea usually? Green tea. Green tea. Love it. But I do um, like a good chai tea. That works too. Oh yeah. Good chai. Um, what's your favorite home cooked meal? And it doesn't have to be something you make. It could be like a childhood memory or it can be something you make. Obviously buttered noodles with cheese on them. Come on. <laughs> that is such 
such a childhood memory too. <laughs> that is like my childhood. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, love it. Well, where can everyone follow you, learn more, learn if they want to work with you? Where do they go? Um, so Isabel Smith Nutrition is my handle. Isabel Smith Nutrition is my website. Uh, we do one-on-one work. We also have a bloat program that we're launching on September 12th that will be open September 12th and forward. We're going to be launching it then, but then people can hop in after. So this is a six-week program that we are like, I we, we literally heard everybody say bloating is their number one problem. So we created a course, um, but I've got a couple of dietitians who work with me. So we're constantly taking clients. It is my mission to not put people on wait lists. So I have wonderful people who work with, with me so that either I can take people on or they can take people on at all times. And um, yeah, we love to work with our clients and help people get better. Well, that sounds fabulous. Thanks so much, Isabel. And hopefully Thank we will you. connect soon. Thanks for having me. This week's actionable step is to start prioritizing your gut health and identify one area Isabel discussed that you think you can improve on to improve your overall gut health. How are your stress levels? How's your sleep? Does your diet need some improvement? Do you need the support of a supplement? Take five minutes to identify where you can place your focus to start making some improvements and start there. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.